0: Amen. Well, good evening, everybody. It's good to have you here. We are on our fifth week. uh, Five out of six weeks on this series on, on what the Bible says about challenging topics, difficult issues. And tonight we find ourselves looking at the issue of marijuana and is it okay ultimately, if and I think probably when it is legalized for recreational use. We'll also look at, at medical use. Is it, would, is it okay for a Christian to use? So we'll look at that tonight, and then next week will be our last Wednesday night for this particular block, and we're going to look at the, uh, the issue of homosexuality and transgenderism and the Christian, trying to analyze that from a biblical perspective. We've taught on that numerous times um, over the last few years. I know that's a hot cop. Cultural topic, but we want to continue to think about things biblically. So we're going to look at that next week, and then we'll uh, we'll take a break for a while and, and do another series coming up sometime late spring or early summer. All right. Well, um, let me mention as we as we begin this discussion tonight that uh, I certainly am not a medical professional, but thankfully we have a few medical professionals that are part of the congregation that are here tonight. That I may lean on. Um, And there's gonna be some areas where I might, maybe even in the middle of my presentation, that I'll ask uh, Dr. Stephen Rayborn and Dr. John Fott to maybe uh, confirm or deny something that I may say. Uh, But tonight I wanna give us an outline. And so I'm gonna give you the outline up front, and I'm gonna read a couple scriptures, and and I'm gonna pray. So here's kind of three things we're gonna look at we're gonna look at some general information, some biblical considerations, and then some pastoral thoughts, some general information some biblical considerations, and then some pastoral thoughts. Let me read two verses to set our hearts and our minds on the posture that we want to adopt as we think about really anything in life, but in particular this topic tonight. Paul writes in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 31, and this is a discussion in chapter 10 of 1 Corinthians about disputable matters, about whether or not a Christian should eat, meat, sacrifice to idols. And Paul says in 1 Corinthians 10, verse 31, so whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do it all to the glory of God. So that verse at the end of 1 Corinthians 10, I think, as he's summarizing his argument, actually becomes a kind of paradigm for the Christian life. And then Paul writes in Colossians chapter 3, verse 17, and whatever you do in word or deed, Do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. So we want to posture ourselves in that vein. We want to be people that live by the Bible. We want to subordinate ourselves into the Bible. And when there are things that we need to consider that aren't specifically mentioned in the Bible, like marijuana, we want to draw our perspective and our view on those things from biblical principle. So to that end, let me pray again, I know Paul prayed first, but let me pray really for myself. Um, I, I apologize for my voice. I have a little bit of a head cold, um, and so uh, I, f- I feel like I'm doing okay, but maybe we can just kind of fist bump at the end rather than hug. I um, mean that would maybe work out better for you. let me, let me pray, Lord, um, <clears throat> thank you for this gathering of, of brothers and sisters and friends tonight. We're so grateful that we live in a place where we can consider. Christian life and things like this together freely. I pray that you'd give us wisdom. I pray that you'd help me be helpful to these people that I love very much and that I want to serve. So make us more like Christ tonight, even as Paul prayed, I pray again, make us more like you in this, in this world that you've called us to. And I pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, some general information. We're going to put some questions up on the screen. Uh, what is the current state of marijuana usage legally in our in our country. What what what's the status of marijuana legally? And in order to think about that, we need to think about two different categories, recreational usage and medical usage. Let me I'm gonna whittle that down here in just a moment. Surprisingly, my home state of California was the first state to legalize marijuana in 1996, and I use surprisingly a bit sarcastically. Um, since then, more than half of the states, I think the number is up to 33 states now, uh, have some laws on their books where, where y- there is some medical, uh, uh, legal usage of marijuana. And we're going to talk about just the term medical marijuana and how that's a bit controversial. But there are at least 33 states there, it's legal in some medical way to use marijuana or maybe better said, some compounds within marijuana. And of those 33, 11 states, um, uh, I- including California, Colorado, Washington, D.C., and a couple other western states, uh, have r- recently legalized recreational marijuana for usage. And in virtually all of those 11 states, there are restrictions. It's like varying... Um, levels of amounts of marijuana that you can possess legally um, between like one and 2.5 ounces Um, and then if you were to grow marijuana in your home you could do in those states those 11 states and there's varying regulations about how many plants you can have generally about six to eight plants or so. The kind of the quirky thing about these state laws and this is one of the quirky things about America where we have a kind of federal and state government balance is that uh, the federal government still considers a, a marijuana to be an illegal drug? I believe across the board. So this, I think, creates confusion. Um, for example, I think if you actually have a prescription for some sort of medical use of cannabis or some compound, that if you were to actually go through an airport for you know and you were to be checked by the the, the security TSA, um, you, you know that would not be legal even though you might be in a state where it is and there's some f- federal law enforcement agency checking you. So there's, there's some, there's some um, uh, uh, ambiguity as to how the states re- re- relate to federal law. So that's just the current status of, of marijuana usage, medical and recreational. 33 states, medical, some form of medical uh, 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 laws on the books, and 11 of those states. I'm just going to say I think we are probably, I think there's a... a, a a cultural uh, momentum, and I think there's a reason for that, which I'll get to at the end. There is cultural momentum where I think probably, at least in my lifetime, maybe even much before that, we will see probably uh, m- recreational usage of marijuana become the norm in our country. I think probably, I don't think that's a good thing, but I think that may be the way that the things are headed Now what is medical marijuana? And this is where if I say anything, Stephen or John, I want you to don't wait till the end. Just kind of raise your hand and somebody run a microphone to somebody with letters behind their name that can correct anything that I don't say correctly. I did a a lot of research, you know, just kind of reading on the internet, which is always kind of dubious in and of itself. Uh, But but this idea of medical marijuana is itself kind of a debated term within healthcare circles. So uh, the FDA doesn't approve a plant as a medicine. Um, so there's really no such thing, I think, in the strictest sense of the word, of medical marijuana, like a joint that you'd roll up and like that's prescribed to you by a doctor. That's, that's not technically an FDA-approved thing. And in a sense, we see this is kind of an intersection of what we talked about last week with the role of government and um, you know, just public health. So it's a, the FDA, and we may have problems at times with the things that the FDA or government do, obviously, but there, that is a righteous exercising of governmental power to help society in a general public health sort of way, um, be wise and healthy. And so, one of the things that we need to submit to is the regulations of the FDA. And as I understand it, marijuana, the plant, is made up of many different compounds. Many different compounds. Two of them, CBD stands for something that, uh, uh, that, that, that just it, it, that's a that's a shorthand for a longer medical term, and THC are the two compounds within the marijuana plant that are of most interest to us. And those are the two, CBD and THC are the two compounds that have been investigated and used over the years for some sort of medical benefit. And of those two, THC is the, is the compound within marijuana that would give a person a, 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 a high from from ingesting it or smoking it, whereas CBD is um, also has some potential health benefit or or medical usage. But taking or ingesting or using something like CBD oil in some sort of uh, delivery system does not have a mind altering effect and does not produce a high. So marijuana itself is not prescribed as a medicine. The the compounds within marijuana plant, THC and CBD, those two of many are the two that have been, um, in some very narrow cases, approved by the FDA for some sort of medical usage. And as, I, as the research that I could find, uh, the research, the, the varying ways that these, these compounds may be used are uh, primarily as painkillers to stop. Um, nausea and vomiting during chemotherapy, to relieve some um, MS symptoms, and to treat rare forms of epilepsy. I think there was also some possible indication where it could be used to help the appetite of an AIDS patient um, that, that uh, maybe was under some other treatment and needed help with, with it, helped them regain their appetite. I do think that it is also prescribed in some of these states from what I understand for some off-label um, uh, indications, and these may or may not be off-label, I don't know, this is where I'd want our doctors to correct, for just other broader pain treatments, Things, even things like Alzheimer's, ALS, cancer, Crohn's disease, uh, seizures, hepatitis C, glaucoma, Um, some post-traumatic stress disorder, chronic pain, and severe nausea. But scientists aren't sure that it helps with all of these conditions. And so it was a little bit vague to me as to which which one of those conditions actually have um, a a clear FDA approval, and which ones are just sort of used by medical professionals in these states where it's legal for those indications. And we, we all know that sometimes doctors will use medications in a legitimate way for things that aren 't necessarily that don 't necessarily have FDA approval, and I think that might be going on in some level, um, not in a sinister sort of way, but in some uh, some level for medical marijuana so that 's as best I understand it, what medical marijuana um, it is, and um, and that 's what 's going on when a state is putting a law on their books to approve medical marijuana now. I don't know, we don't have this case in Georgia, I don't think. But I don't know when if you if if a state like California has medical marijuana as a as an approved law, as I understand it the FDA has only approved the compound usage of CBD or T, THC. And so I I don't understand how that moves to somebody actually getting a prescription to, to smoke a marijuana cigarette from their doctor. I don't know that leap, I don't know if that's legal, um, I don't know if that's just not enforced by those states, I don't know, but as far as I can tell, that's the, 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 the usage of medical marijuana. Let me pause here and just say, John or Steven, would you correct or add to anything that I've said? Somebody run a microphone, would you, would you at all? Really? Oh, wow. Okay. (laughs) Awesome. Okay. Stephen Rayborn, are you here? Um, Okay. Good. All right. Says best I can... Man, I'm actually starting to feel pretty good about myself. I was a little nervous. Um, Well, you're talking to a guy who's actually married to a doctor and um, she is a pediatrician. And we met when she was in medical school. And the first time, the first conversation I had with my wife, she was a third year... She wasn't my wife at the time. She was just some young lady that I was interested in, and I said, what type of doctor do you want to be? And she says, I think I want to be a pediatrician, and the first thing that ran through my head is she wants to be a foot doctor. <laughs> I, I, didn't, I didn't even know the root words, podiatry, I didn't know the difference, so that's who you're listening to right now, talk about medical things. That's general information. Okay, some biblical considerations, uh, some footing that I find a little bit more, a little bit more uh, you know, confidence in, some biblical considerations. Here's the question. We've talked about medical marijuana. Okay, we're gonna come back to that in a second. But I want us to focus here, biblical considerations. Let's assume, I want us to zero in on this idea of recreational use of marijuana. Again, we're gonna come back to medical possibilities in a second. Let's consider right now recreational usage of marijuana. And let's assume that recreational marijuana usage is, legalized, is legal everywhere in the country, in every state, and legalized federally. If legalized, here's the question, if legalized, would recreational marijuana usage be a sin? The Bible does not directly address marijuana, but the Bible does directly address intoxication and drunkenness. Now, when we use the word intoxication, I think that is synonymous with being under the influence of. I think that's the, what the word means. And so I think to be under the influence of something is to be intoxicated or to be drunk. Or we could also insert our English words to be high or to be stoned. And so when we see the word intoxication or drunkenness in the Bible, I think that is clearly synonymous with uh, with with to being stoned or being high or being under the influence of, of any um, uh, uh, mind altering drug, whether it's alcohol or marijuana. Let me read to you some scriptures. Ephesians chapter 5, Paul says in Ephesians 5, verse 18, and do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, but be filled with the spirit. So he's saying there, don't be under the influence of wine. That's debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit. Galatians 5, verse 21. Envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. I warn you, as I warned you before, that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. And the posture there, I think, in Galatians 5 is that you're giving yourself over to those things. That you're not fighting against them. You're not turning from them. You're not repenting. It doesn't mean that Christians who um, are struggling with those things or have in the past... Uh, cannot, are not going to heaven. They're not unpardonable sins. But if you're giving yourself over, as Colossians 3 says, if you're walking in them, then the clear scriptural admonition is that you will not inherit the kingdom of God. Peter says in 1 Peter 5, verse 8, be sober-minded, be watchful. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring, roaring lion, seeking someone to devour. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verses 9-11. through Or do you not know that the unrighteous So it's not that Christians won't at times struggle with even heinous sins, but they do not define who we are anymore. They are who we used to be. Proverbs 23, verse 20 and 21, be not among drunkards or among gluttonous eaters of meat, for the drunkard and the glutton will come to poverty and slumber will clothe them with rags. 1 Corinthians 6, verse 12, this is a verse that sometimes is quoted, I think wrongly. Paul says, and this is in quotations, all things are lawful for me, but not all things are helpful. All things are lawful for me, again, in quotations, but I will not be dominated by anything. Some people, when they read that, wrongly think that Paul is saying that all things, according to God's law, are lawful for me, but that's not the context of this passage. What he's saying is, and the reason why it's in quotations, is because he is quoting a cultural idiomatic expression in Corinth. Corinth. And so he's saying, this is what the culture says. You know, all things are lawful for me. And he's countering that by saying, but not all things are helpful. All things are lawful for me, but not, I will not be dominated by anything. And he repeats that in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 23. He says, all things are lawful, quote, end quote, but not all things are helpful. All things are lawful, but not all things build up. So there's a clear admonition against drunkenness and against being under the influence of, of a substance like alcohol. So then, is there a difference between alcohol and marijuana when it comes to these? Because we, we, this isn't the topic of this conversation tonight, but I think that you can make a biblical case that consumption of alcohol is not necessarily a sin. I think sometimes it is, and in many cases it is, but the consumption of alcohol in and of itself that does not lead to drunkenness, I think it's difficult to make a biblical case that that is inherently sinful. Now, we can make a case about whether or not that is always wise for a Christian to do in various situations, and we can have personal convictions about that. I certainly have mine, that I'll share with you, but that's another talk for another day. But what I want to talk about now is let's let's distinguish that I do think that it is difficult to make a case that alcohol consumption in and of itself that does not lead to drunkenness is always a sin. In fact, I don't think you can make that case. So it is possible, I think biblically, to have a drink of alcohol in certain situations and it not be sin. what What is being prohibited in these verses is drunkenness. So then, is there a correlation, follow the logic that I'm trying to lead us down, is there a correlation, is there a possibility that I could also partake of marijuana recreationally and it not lead to these to, to drunkenness? And I think the answer to that is no. Because I think there is a distinct difference between the effects of alcohol on the human body and the effects of marijuana. Just about everything I read, um, and I, I don't drink alcohol, I've never been drunk, I don't know about, I know that there are different impairment levels for different people, but study like the, NI, the National Institute of Health website that I read estimates, and again this is a broad generalization, that the average adult would take them approximately four drinks of, of, of four glasses or drinks, like glasses, servings of alcohol, before there's some impairment. And I realize that may vary. Whereas, listen to this, for a marijuana cigarette or a joint, only four puffs on a marijuana joint is when impairment starts for, for a person. So we're not talking about just having a glass of wine with, at dinner that doesn't lead to drunkenness. I don't, I've, I don't know of anybody that, just, that has t- smoked marijuana that just takes two puffs on a, on a, on a joint. Um, So I I, I think there's a clear difference. I think that that is. Therefore, my conclusion is, is that um, it, it just seems very, 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 very unlikely for a person ever to be using marijuana and it not leading to some sort of impairment or drunkenness, which seems to me there's clear biblical prohibition against, because you're putting yourself underneath the influence of some substance. That uh, is exactly what the New Testament and other verses, even in the old, are, are, are warning us against. What about the use of miracle, medical? So, so the question, let me, let me back up, let me, let me kind of tie the knot on this, let me tie the bow on this to answer the question directly. If legalized, if legalized, let's put ourselves in the Corinthian culture. But all things are lawful. Okay, let's say marijuana, recreational marijuana usage is, is law, lawful in the United States. Would it be a sin for a Christian to partake? I think, pastorally and biblically, the answer to that question is yes, I do think it would be, I think it would be sinful and terribly unwise. What about medical use of marijuana? Is that okay? Well, here I think we need to speak with more specificity um, Th- again, this is a disputed term within the medical community. Um, as I mentioned earlier, as I understand it, as best I could tell, there's no such thing as a medical marijuana plant, there's no me- medical marijuana approval. Um, and, and so we need to think about the compounds of CBD and THC. Um, and I do think the answer to that question is possibly yes. Uh, if it comes through and it has come through FDA approval. Uh, From what I read, there are uses where there is uh, benefit and there has been benefit for patients with certain maladies that have gone through FDA approval where CBD and THC are able to be prescribed per physician. And if a physician under the care of a doctor, using it for a, a, a legitimate FDA approved benefit, I think the answer to that is, is yes, I don't see any real differentiation between the use of that compound and the use of you know some other compound that is extracted from a plant. Something like there's a tree in Peru whereby there's some compound in that tree in Peru where they uh, have extracted that compound and it's used to treat malaria but, they're, but you, they're prescribing the compound that you get out of that bark. They don't give a piece of bark to a malaria patient, right? And so there's a whole different process. That compound, it starts with a Q, that you get out of this bark in a tree in Peru, has gone through some approval process, and that, I think that puts it in a whole different category. So I do think, under the auspices of a Romans 13 governmental authority FDA approval from a licensed clinician that's, that's authorized to prescribe these compounds that might be found in the marijuana plant, if there's an approved use for that, I think yes. I think a Christian is free to avail themselves of those benefits from that compound that would, that, that would come through legitimate medical care. What about, what about these CBD oils that you see um, at, the, like at the gas station um, and places like that and just all around town and shops? Because remember, there's, there's two compounds that we're thinking about within the marijuana plant that are of, of, of interest, THC and CBD. THC is the one that you get the high from, and there's also some pain benefit from it. CBD, there's no mind-altering high from it, um, but there is some pain benefit from it. And so that's why, you know, they can sell these little canisters of CBD oil everywhere now, like at the Spectrum. And I would just say, my thought would be, okay, there's no high from that. But I would just say, like, I would want to challenge a little bit of the wisdom of just looking for pain management from a CBD vial in a rack next to the nacho chips at Spectrum. <laughs> and I'd just say, like, no, you're not getting high from it. Maybe, but I'm just gonna say, like, if, if pain's a problem for you, I just think that there's other, like, more legitimate, more studied, uh, you know, j- just more safe. Maybe things that are more more accepted. And and I'm just wondering what 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 are you trying to like, you're trying to get as close to? The, I I don't, I don't I I'm just I, 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 it'd be difficult for me to say that sin because I don't think there's any mind altering problem with CBD, but I just put it in a wisdom category, you know, I just put it in a wisdom category. It's like, it's like, you know, getting your supplements from the guy at the gym behind the gym, you know, and he's <laughs> just, what are, you, what are you doing? Like, you know, eat protein and, you know, drink more water. I, I don't know. I just, I just, I'm going to challenge the wisdom on, on this, this CBD oil craze. I, I will say that, um, it, that I know of Christians that have been prescribed CBD oil by physicians or some type of application, and it has had great benefit from them. And I don't dispute that at all. And I would put that under a Romans 13 governmental sphere of, helping, of public health-monitored um, legitimate use of that compound that's not mind-altering, that's not causing intoxication for a person that I think they can benefit from. Pastoral thoughts, and then I'll, then I'll, I'll, I'll open it up for questions and, and any clarifications from the doctors in the room. A couple pastoral thoughts. For a Christian that wants to use marijuana, um, I would just, I would want to, first of all, I want to say I think you should heed what the word says about putting yourself under the influence of a substance. I think that's clear. Um, And I don't think it's possible to smoke marijuana and just take a couple hits on it. Again, I've never smoked it, but I I mean, I I grew up in El Central California, so I had lots of friends that did. And I just just don't know people that take just one drag on a marijuana. I just, I think that's unusual. So I'd want to ask, what's your motivation about using marijuana? Why do you want to use it? The people that I know, friends of mine over the years that I know that have used marijuana on a recreational, private level in their home, and they say, I'm not hurting anybody. This is just me, you know, just just for my purposes. My question would be, what's your motivation? Is it that you just want to kind of take the edge off? Well. The, to, to me, it seems like you're 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 giving yourself over to something that the Bible clearly prohibits in a sinful way. Are you trying to escape? In fact, I think the thing about marijuana is it is it causes people it kind of numbs their senses, and it causes them to escape into themselves. And I, I think that's the opposite of the direction that the Bible pushes a person in. And so I I, I think that even if you're just saying, hey, it's just me at night in my living room, I'm not hurting anybody, uh, I would have the same questions about alcohol too. So if you're a Christian that says, you know, I'm not getting drunk, but I like, to, I like to have a couple glasses of wine before I go to bed to take the edge off, I would say, brother or sister, what's going on in your heart that you need to run to this alcohol to take the edge off rather than to going to God or some other legitimate sense. Because even in a small sense, you, you're, it seems like you're putting yourself under the influence of of a substance that um, is, is there's some blurry line in there uh, biblically, whether you are or not are not under the influence of that. And so I would challenge that. What are you trying to take the edge off from or escape from, and are there means of grace that God has given his people to handle those things? And clearly the answer is yes. His word, prayer, confession, community. And then I would just want to say, is there some immature desire to exercise freedom? And I think that this exists. I think people in our stream of the church are prone to immature exercising of Christian freedom because... Some of us have come from, not all of us, but many come from legalistic uh, kind of churches that had lots of rules. And you come and you discover the grace of the gospel. And there's, a, there's a, an immature application of the grace of the gospel and Christian freedom to these areas. And I think that's particularly relevant and strangely in gospel centered, even in reform circles where there's this kind of, it's sort of like your street cred to exercise your freedom and your ability to, you know, smoke cigars and pipes and have a beer and all this kind of stuff. Well, okay, on some level, maybe you're free to do that if it's not putting you under the influence. But on another level, I just kind of want to challenge the maturity of that exercise of freedom. And I would want to say, what's what's kind of behind that? What's behind that? And um, I think sometimes it's a it's a it's an immature exercise of gospel freedom. Um, I think we're all prone to just kind of want to be cool. I know I am. And the Bible tells us: listen, to first John chapter two. This ties into to our text last week in James four and worldliness. To be friends with the world is to be to to be at enmity with God. And, and John says in first John two verse fifteen through seventeen: Do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the desires of the flesh and the desire of the eyes and the pride of life is not from the Father, but is from the world. And the world is passing away along with its desires, but whoever does the will of God abides forever. So I think the challenge for sanctification for every Christian, for every generation, for every culture is not loving the world. And for, for, people, for people my age and older that look down the end of our nose at millennials to say, man, all these millennials, they just, wanna, they just want an excuse to get high. And so they're loving the world. Well, you know what? There are ways that we may be loving the world too. Maybe we want stupid trinkets, or maybe we want a bigger car, or maybe we want to live in the fancy neighborhood, or maybe we want this or that. So we all have our battles with worldliness, amen? amen. And so I think we need, to, we need to look at each other, especially generationally in the church, with a lot of humility. And I, so just as, I, just as I would challenge a young person that wants to justify their use of marijuana, I would challenge an old person that wants to justify the fact that they don't care anything about church but they run off from thing to thing to thing enjoying their retirement, spending their retirement on themselves and their pleasures. That's worldliness too. And so, yeah, I, th- I think every generation has got their, their, their blind spots. So I would wanna question what our motivation is and then secondly, I just want to talk, I just want to end on this, is that I, I just think it's a poor cultural witness, and it does not display uh, love for your neighbor. Um, I think the culture, and this is, was interesting to read, and there was this uh, this video that was fascinating that I posted on my Facebook page that I can send to you if you want. it. It's a little 20-minute Q&A video of the Surgeon General of Arkansas, and he was talking about you know, uh, the effects of marijuana culturally, and it was very, very informative. And I did listen to him, and then I read some articles about just the money behind uh, this this cultural phenomenon of this push to legalize marijuana medically and even recreationally. Brothers and sisters, what is behind this is the God of, the false God of money and prosperity. I mean, there is a huge cultural lobby to get marijuana uh, legalized, and it's, it's all about money for uh, 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 these forces, and by the way, for those of us that grew up in the 70s and 80s, or some of us even earlier in the 60s, the strands of marijuana that they're putting out now, th- this is not your grandfather's joint. It's, it, from what I understand, it's getting stronger. The, these these designer strands of marijuana are much more potent. Doesn't mean that what you know what happened in the '60s was okay. I'm just saying that it's getting more and more, um, more and more hallucinatory, more and more intoxicating. Um, they are marketing edibles, little gummy bears, and the 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 amount of of, of compound in these little gummy bears is extraordinarily high, way higher than would be prescribed by a doctor and they're trying to make them you know, g- good, good flavors and all this kind of gummy bears. Who eats gummy bears? Kids. And if you can get a kid you know, in that stream of eating gummy bears, and that kid's gonna be the type of person who's gonna be buying pot for the rest of their life, which is gonna feed into this industry. And so I think it's just behind it, it's just, it's just poor, poor uh, a cultural witness. It's, a, it's, it's not loving our neighbors. And then just basically, just I, I don't think anybody uh, can argue this, is it, is, it, is it good for our culture? No. It's not good for our culture on any level. Um, opinions are mixed about whether or not uh, marijuana is truly a gateway drug. Um, I would say that I, I think it is. There are studies that show that those people who um, start using marijuana chronically uh, before the age of 18 actually... Empirically lose IQ points that they can like they get dumber, and they can they can never recover those things. That those 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 cells don't come back. And then there's also some some um, some literature that talks about some significant links between chronic marijuana use in young people and severe psychiatric and even violent uh, crimes later on in life. So, um, I would just encourage us to. To, to be uh, a witness, to be wise in these dark times. If you're a Christian that suffers with chronic pain and you've been through all sorts of options and your doctor prescribes you some compound that is medically approved, I think that's legitimate. I think, I think pretty much any other application of marijuana for the Christian is, uh, I, I do think we can say is sinful and I would, I would exhort us to, um, to avoid it. Questions, comments? Yes, Someone run a microphone, is that Melanie? Did you raise your hand? Yeah. Thanks, Ian.
1: I just wanted to affirm what you were saying about the um, how much the influence of money is behind this. Um, as somebody who's been somewhat political and, and involved in that process, I remember one year going to the state convention of the Republican Party, and one of the uh, resolutions that was being put forward or the, and that we had to uh, vote on had to do with the legal, uh, uh, making a resolution uh, recommending that, uh, that Georgia approve medical marijuana usage. And the discussion about that was shut down. There was, there was no discussing it. And in fact, I ended up speaking with a physician who was there and said, we have tons of information we are trying to get out Mm -hmm. and they don't want to hear it Mm -hmm. because it's all about the money.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And whether or not, um, uh, I'll tell you, whether or not, Marijuana usage is a gateway into other drugs. I will tell you this definitely. The political push for medical marijuana is a gateway to the ultimate goal, which is recreational marijuana legalization. Don't think that these lobbyists that that are pushing for medical marijuana care about your pain. They care about their profits, and they want everybody to be able to buy their product. Yeah, that's absolutely true. And I'm not a sky-falling guy. I'm not one of these guys that thinks there's like a conspiracy behind every rock. That's just not me. I don't, I, I, I just, I just think, I just think if, uh, I, I just, I just think that's true. <laughs> I think that, I think you need to understand the world and what makes the world go round. The God of money, the false God of money. Any, any other comments, questions? Gabe?
2: Hey, Brad. I hey. uh, appreciate it tonight. Yeah. Um, I don't want to put you in a position to step on a lot of toes, a lot of our toes here tonight. Yeah, bro, that's what I do. Um, man. <laughs> <laughs> uh, what you talked about tonight raises the question. Yeah. Um, if we're talking about things that are altering the mind, yeah. um, even maybe a little bit, um, or something that might be unhealthy for us, um, I couldn't help but think of you know nicotine and yeah. how much it's used today, mm-hmm. um, especially for probably a lot of the combat arms guys in here are um, mm-hmm. in the military. So I don't want to put you in this position or make you take me off. But I've I've got to ask you, you know, 480,000 people die a year from smoking cigarettes. Um, Tons of diseases come Mm -hmm. from from Mm -hmm. just nicotine use Mm -hmm. in general, chewing tobacco. Mm -hmm. Um, And then now with vaping being such a famous thing nowadays and so popular. What do you think pastorally, would you say that it is a sin to harm our bodies like that, using nicotine. Um, a, a spe- I mean, I know uh, there may be some studies out there that show that nicotine isn't really all that harmful, but it's the delivery methods. Yeah, uh, I, that could be wrong. But what do yeah. you think? Uh,
0: um, and this is where I'd want to rely on John and, and and Stephen because I don't <laughs> I don't know. No, I'll answer your question because I don't know that much about the um, the addictiveness of nicotine. Um, I'll say that. Um, let me let me give you my stab at it. Um, I you know, h- historically in the church, like Spurgeon smoked cigars, um, and and he felt like he was free to smoke cigars. Um, I would, uh, not knowing much about the addictiveness of of nicotine, I would just I think it's unwise. I think it's bad for you physically, generally, and that's where I would defer to a doctor to say maybe maybe there's a possibility that it's not always. And then secondly, I'm going to put it in a Romans 14 and 15 category, and I'm just going to say that I think it's probably potentially not a good witness for a Christian generally in our culture. It may not be in other cultures; that may not be the case in some other setting. And I accept that, but um, in my setting, in our culture, I think that um, nicotine use uh, is generally um, uh, 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 questioned by our culture, and so. I would say that it's not wise for a Christian, and it could potentially be a stumbling block to an unbeliever or a discouragement to a fellow believer whose conscience might be weak. And so, for that reason, I think it's unwise, and it would be sinful for me to smoke uh, a cigarette or something like that. I have not—I've never smoked a cigarette. I've smoked a cigar on a few occasions, um, and. You know, I, I felt convicted by it. I felt somewhat justified that Spurgeon did, but you know, then <laughs> you know, we all we all have our ways of rationalizing, don't we? John, Stephen, would you would you guys? Yeah. Add it?
3: Um, so, I, I'm not quite as eloquent as, as Brad is about uh, ordering my thoughts on this, but here we go. Nicotine is very addictive. Uh, that is the addictive compound for the most part in cigarettes or any other tobacco product. Um, You're getting tiny amounts of nicotine when you smoke, but it's enough to get you addicted. If you got a large amount of nicotine, if we like purified nicotine and put it on your skin, it would act as a nerve agent and probably kill you in a very short period of time. That's how potent it is. You're just getting a very small amount. But it's very addictive. And this, what I'm about to say, next really applies to marijuana too you're basically taking a plant lighting it on fire and sucking the smoke into your lungs over and over again which is why you know you get copd cancer and all these things i mean it it, if you just think about it like going out in your yard and burning some leaves i mean it's just not a good thing to breathe in from a health perspective not really talking about the spiritual aspect of it, but from a health perspective, to ble- breathe in something that's on fire, you know, into your lungs over and over again is not good for you. And it doesn't matter if it's uh, a cigarette or, you know, a joint of, of, of uh, marijuana. It's gonna cause some harm to your body because you're not really designed to breathe in smoke constantly, so there's no redeeming medical benefit that I'm aware of, of anything in a cigarette, at all. So it doesn't have any medical benefit. I mean, some people say, well, I'm nervous, it calms me down. Well, it actually does the opposite of that. It's a stimulant. Even though you may feel that way, it, it actually stimulates most of your nervous system. So. There's not a lot of good in cigarettes, or no good really, that I can say of, as far as from a health perspective, and and I understand that culturally, we've done it. Charles Spurgeon did it, a lot of other uh, people did it. I, I'm not saying if somebody smokes, you're, you know, you're yeah. okay, bad Christian or whatever. But I would, I would counsel against doing it. I certainly, I don't think there's anybody in here that wants their children to start smoking or dipping snuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's a reason why we kind of feel that way. You know, it's like, hey, I don't want my kid doing that. Well, it's, it's the same kind of thing. And, um, you know, I, the thing that bothers me about the whole term medical marijuana is for no, and Brad touched on this, no medicines that we use do we refer back to the plant in particular. I mean, when nobody digs up digitalis foxglove and chews on it to make their heart (laughs) pump harder, you know, they make a, they purify it to the extent that they possibly can get all the impurities out of it, test it on, you know, animals, primates or whatever to make sure it's not going to kill them. Then they do human studies to make sure that people are going to be okay with it. And then they give it to you and they don't call it medical marijuana, they call it the drug name, you know, THC, which you probably wouldn't, I have a hard time pronouncing the actual name, but that's how we get medicines. And and the final thing I'd say about medicines in general is, there are a lot of medicines that we prescribe that have harmful side effects. And if you're being prescribed medicines, you know, I think of, we're in the midst of a opioid epidemic right now in this country, if you are being prescribed medicines that you're going to have to take for a long period of time that can be addictive or that have street value uh, or something like that that's a discussion even though I believe that you know Christians can do it and I, and at times it's absolutely the right treatment for the for the person at that time don't just take things without sitting down and talking to your doctor about what are the long-term implications of me taking this medicine? Am I gonna be able to come off of it? Is there a better option for me? What else can I do besides take this medicine? Because these medicines, uh, many of them, uh, they stop working for what you were originally prescribed them for, only now it's very, very hard to come off of them because you're addicted to them. And, you know, it leads to all kinds of problems. And some people, you know, if you go into that and realizing that that can happen and you make that decision, that's a good decision to make for you sometimes. But many people make that decision without complete information. So if you're not sure, wait until you get complete information. Make a couple of appointments with your doctors or whoever's prescribing them and and talk about those things long before you start taking them to make sure that you're not going down a path that's going to be very, very hard to get off of later on.
0: Yeah. Thank you, John. And I would just say to anybody that maybe smokes or struggles with smoking in here and wants to stop, um, I don't want you to feel condemned in any way. Um, I want to stop eating Cheetos, a whole bag of it, at 1130 at night too. And I know that's bad for me as well. Gluttony is a sin as well. And so, you know, let's not... We we tend to kind of single out certain things. Um, But, yeah... Yeah, John, John just said he'd be happy to help anybody with some resources if you, if you wanted to, if you desire to quit. Good question, Gabe, I hope I, Reynolds, uh-oh, go easy on me, Reynolds.
4: Well, Brad, as you know, I am not a doctor, <laughs> but I do happen to work for the largest <laughs> pharmaceutical in- company in the world. <laughs> And of which you're a stockholder. <laughs> That's so, right. Um, Actually, I I feel off. like I could speak on that. Uh, okay, go ahead. Go ahead. Now, t- to, um, back to the, uh, just quickly on the nicotine, and I'm not going to outspeak John or Stephen, but nicotine does attach to something in the brain that causes dopamine to be released. Dopamine is the pleasure sensor. That's uh, what we're all addicted to, yeah. especially in our culture. We're mm-hmm. addicted to pleasure and feeling good, and that's why pornography, that's why mm. sex, that's why a, a big raise, that's mm. why M&M's, you know, that's mm. a, fill in the blank. Cheetos. We are a culture yeah. of Cheetos. Yeah. We are a culture who is addicted to pleasure. Now, my excessive consumption of MMs may not cause mind-altering state that, that causes bad decision, but it causes that same sort of guilt, and yeah. it's sort of a spiral effect. I, I think this is way off of the the marijuana discussion but it's a cultural yeah. issue that we're all having to reckon with that we we're all addicted to something mm-hmm. and we really all need to look in the mirror myself mm-hmm. included to say what is it a- that i'm putting in place of the guy is it my hobby is it yep. fitness is it yep. shopping is it fill in the blank because we all have it yeah, yeah. and so that's anyway, a great point right comments, and when
0: you were saying that i was think i think of augustine's comment back in the early 400s where he says our hearts are restless until they find their rest in thee, O oh Lord. And we are prone to find to find counterfeit rest and all sorts of other things. I think it's well stated, Ronald. Well stated. Danny
5: And I kinda wanna take a mental health perspective. I've a yeah. little experience in that. Yeah. And
0: Danny is a licensed psychologist, is that yes. right? Yeah.
5: So I think I first got into mental health in 2003, and one of the things I've seen, regardless of the setting, is people that have addiction with all sorts of drugs, I don't think I've, I can think of any that ever didn't have marijuana mm. as one of their mm-hmm. you know, drugs of use, and a lot of people in recovery, and this is a consistent thing that I've seen in psychiatric hospitals and outpatient clinics. And counseling centers, just across the board, is these people will get off cocaine. They'll get off heroin. They test positive for marijuana. Mm. That's mm. a consistent thing. That it might not have the same um, physiological addiction that nicotine, heroin, um, you know, opiates, and you know, cocaine have. But there's such a strong physiological effect. And some of it might just be cultural. Their yeah. friends are doing it. But I think that it's one of those drugs that they're using, you know, the medicinal reasons that I hear people that, and even with the CBD oil, the cannabidinol, I think is what it is, Mm -hmm. is anxiety. Mm -hmm. And that's something that, you know, anxiety disorders are very biologically loaded disorder, but a lot of times people want treatment that just makes it go away. That's why there's a big problem with benzodiazepines. They're cross-tolerant with alcohol. And, you know, you feel, you know, kind of sedate for a while. And, okay, well, I can't get, you know, a benzo, but I can get weed or I can get CBD. And it takes actually a lot of CBD oil to actually produce those effects. People don't realize that tiny little vial you get might not actually get you where you want to be. But, you know, from a secular standpoint, the research consistently shows what benefits people is therapy, with medication, not medication. There, there's never like a, a study that says, oh, take a medication it'll go away. Because all the medication does is, to kind of use a lay term, kind of takes the edge off, makes mm-hmm. it manageable so that you can address the problem. Yeah. So a lot of people that are going to use it, they're going to use it exactly like you said. It's to cut the edge, it's to take the edge off. And all you're doing is you're temporarily sedating the physiological effects that you have from your anxiety or your depression or whatever it is, you're not actually, you know, getting rid of the problem. So, you know, the bigger issue is where is that anxiety coming from? Do yeah. I need to speak to a pastor? Do right. I need to get therapy? You know, there are secular therapists that can help with that, and I think that that's kind of, you know, common grace of God yeah. that is that is out there, and that's one of those things that it seems a lot easier to you know, smoke weed, eat a brownie, eat a gummy bear, whatever, but long term you're not fixing a problem, you're going to create more of a problem. Um, you know, there's implications that the impact of marijuana on the neurodevelopment, you, you touched on it, um, you know, we don't know, you know, is there a possibility that this has some correlation with a higher increase in other disorders like autism in society. So there's there's so many problems. There might be a lot of really good stuff for it, but we need clinical trials. We need clinical yeah. studies. And somebody saying, you know, we resolve all these issues is kind of like the people that are saying, you know, well, just take some you know essential oils and it will cure your cancer. Yeah. Yep. It's it really you know there's it it there's the possibility that THC and CBD are just fantastic wonder drugs, but the clinical trials aren't consistently showing that and you know this is something that comes up we talk about it with our psychiatrists about you know that are reading articles and we talk about it and there's just there's not a consensus that this is the wonder drug that everybody's making it out to be I see people with addictions I see I've seen numerous kids that have psychosis that you know wind up being schizophrenic they probably were going to be schizophrenic anyway but that's the thing that pushed them over the edge and the degree of paranoia and the degree of hallucinations and delusions that they have, it's you know, I've I've traditionally been a legalize it and tax the tax the snot out of it kind of attitude. I'm not gonna use it, but really it's just not a good thing to be putting in our systems at this point, and at least not in the delivery methods that we have at this point in time yeah.
0: either. Yeah, amen. Well said, brother. I think you know di- And let me end with this. I know that I want to be sensitive to our time and we'll stick around and answer any questions maybe that you have or talk to some of these people that are more medically, clinically trained than I am. Um, But let me end on this. Let me just end on Titus chapter 2, verse 11. Paul says, For the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation for all people. So we know that we're saved by grace alone through faith alone and Christ alone. But grace doesn't just forgive us. So I'm, 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 I'm thinking about a person in here you know, I don't want to just say, well, this is it, so deal with it. And go, go run off into your little homes and come back and be better Christians, Johnny and Susie. They're like, for people in this room that are struggling. Or maybe people in this room that have given themselves over to things and, you know, you're convicted. Or you're even, you're even angry tonight. Uh, maybe with what I've said. Then Paul says in verse, he said, the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation to all people. Training us to renounce ungodliness and worldly passions, and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in the present age, waiting for our blessed hope, the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us to redeem us from all lawlessness and to purify for himself a people for his own possession who are zealous for good works. So that's, that's we want to live that way, and we need to help each other live that way. And so I hope that tonight is, has helped us Be informed along those lines. Let me pray. Lord, thank you for these brothers and sisters. Pray that you'd encourage us as we go into this week. Pray that we'd be wise in this present age and that we would be shining stars in a crooked and perverse generation. Help us live for you more faithfully. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thanks, guys. See you Sunday, Lord willing.